Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 205, I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And this week, what if gets stupid, then stupid good. We set ourselves ablaze in the inferno, and we try to guess the smileys on the X-Rider planning photo. But a little housekeeping. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds so boring. Hey, I wrote it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well said. A little housekeeping. We did actually, uh, last week, if you listened probably for our weekly, you might have seen that we launched Wikipedia, a deep dive into Jonathan Hickman's previous Marvel work. We started where he first began with Marvel in 2009, Secret Warriors. Uh, But coming soon, we'll be doing the 13-issue S.H.I.E.L.D. run. So take a listen. Bookmark the first one. Send us your thoughts on the prolific writer's rise to the changing face of X-Men as we know it. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about What If. We did have a week off, so we've got two episodes of What If to cover. Specifically, What If Thor Was an Only Child and What If Ultron Won. Episode 7 brought us to a world where the only narratives we're telling are 80s and 90s college comedies. Without a mischievous brother and an all-father in a slumber, Thor threatened to keep on dancing till the world ended. We get a lot of strong women, some jokes that land, and a lead into the episode really worth talking about, at least in my opinion. Uh, episode eight, which transported us to a world where Ultron won, fully utilizing Vision's body and the Soul Stone to not only take over Earth, then the universe, stopping short of the multiverse, we hope. Uh, we get a lot of Natasha and Clint banter, the surprising return of Armin Zola, Uatu tossing out Kamehameha's, and the return of Darkster Strange. Uh, what'd you guys think? Yeah. <laughs> What's a Kamehameha? my recap the- of the episode. Oh, okay. Well, I only like one of the episodes as well. Um, so was the Kamehameha one- was like a king of Hawaii, right? Uh, I think so. It's mostly a Dragon Ball Z reference. Uh, you have to listen to our extra <laughs> issue for that one. Though. So more on that. Um, I would say the first one with Thor. Uh, I. The, the I've enjoyed these episodes. Uh, this one, though, uh, I was like, give us like a fun romp into the multiverse and just see where it goes. Turns out it doesn't go anywhere. It's pretty boring. <laughs> uh, uh, I didn't like it. So apparently I want levity. So uh, <laughs> the second one was very good. I really enjoyed it. I felt stakes in the way that I did not think I was going to get from this series just in general. Um, and seeing the watcher so actively involved had me like what and also what are his powers like what i just uh it, it was so strange and i really liked it i mean we know where this is going it was all a lead up to eventually him forming a multiverse avengers but um i like the journey going there and seeing uh old uh stony ultron is what i'm calling him like go through and just destroy everything was really cool and seeing that sort of like going through different dimensions awesome awesome visuals they're definitely going to take a cue for that uh, when they do it in real life it, with dr strange uh but i really loved it a lot Kayla. um what i really liked about the second episode as well and i agree with everything that ryan said is um we're now moving into going from an episodic series to like a serialized series um clearly like you know the the cliffhanger at the end of the what if thor was an only child except he's not really an only child he's still got a brother loki just looks like a frost giant now um (laughs) you know we saw the cliffhanger of vision slash ultron you know with his forces um and then when we go into the next episode i think the the sort of the despair and hopelessness is handled really really well even with um you know clinton natasha who aren't really a lot of people's favorite Avengers. I think they did a really nice job of showing like they were the only ones who were left and they had to like kind of figure out, um, you know, what to do next by getting Arnim Zola to like, you know, be the deus ex machina. What I liked about it the most was, um, you know, the voice acting um, uh, for Uatsu has been good thus far in the sort of narration role. But like when he goes, I don't know what, I don't know what that is. When you see the surprise of uh, like like Ultron Vision saying, I see you, like I know like where you are, I'm gonna come find you. Like that was really cool. I think the fight scene between the two was handled super well. And Ryan, yeah, I agree, like flashing through all the various timelines was neat. 
We even saw one where um, you see Steve Rogers being sworn in as the president. And I don't know if you guys read or not, but like that was one episode of what if that like some of the creators wanted to do, but they were never able to. So that was mm -hmm. a nice little Easter egg there. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing it, they just destroyed that world. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I will say the worst voice acting of the week, I think, went to the person basically trying to be James Spader. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've, oh, Ultron was, yeah. was rough uh, in, in my mind, but what a well, fucking I thought James cool Spader, villain. I thought James Spader was rough when yes. he did yes. Age of Well, that's, it was oh, like, a, it was no so weird. strings attached to me or whatever the <laughs> fuck that, like weird song sing yeah. song you know what that song is Pinocchio. i know it's pinocchio <laughs> no but the way he no did strings it, it was... attached to me that's a great Shut song up. yeah the james spader <laughs> theme song you know no no no, no strings attached well. my grinder profile all right <laughs> um, um, i rewatched the seventh episode just not the full thing just the last two minutes just to see um how the reveal of you know ultron happened and i i didn't realize then that Uatu was surprised by that sudden appearance. Mm. It, it, well, I, I saw it the first time. I thought he was just kind of being like, you know, kind of cheeky, but he's like, oh, wait, I spoke too soon. But just, it's literally, I spoke too soon, shit. I didn't know that was happening. Well, yeah, connecting the dots on that real quick, like, we have not seen the way that he showed up at the end of the seventh episode had nothing. That's like after the eighth episode, I assume, correct? Like, it, I think it's going to be within. I think probably both are taking place nearly at the same time. And then, I mean, you know, time means nothing. Kind right. Of stuff. Yeah. But I figure, I actually think like the eighth episode happened like right before the seventh episode did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, yeah, like uh, the fight, obviously like, you know, Ultron, Ultron slash vision one, and then like went off to the other parallel yeah. realities. It's, um, you know, the joke is that like Hawkeye just has an arrow for everything. But for him to have an arrow that's able to download Arnim Zola into an arrow, <laughs> somehow be compatible to just plug it straight into any of the Ultron robots. Woo! Okay. These are the cool. shoot it it's in an eye. USB. This is a it's different USB. universe. <laughs> it's not an Apple product. It's definitely not. It's an not Apple. an Apple. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Fucking uh, Steve Jobs. Yeah. Just wild. I will, I'll give a little bit of credit to episode seven because I did appreciate the ongoing dialogue and like teaming of Maria Hill, Captain Marvel and uh, Jane Foster. I thought that was like, no, no, no. it wasn't perfect, but it was at least nice to see an episode that focused primarily on female characters. Do, do not lump Jane Foster in with those women who actually gave shit about it's the okay. world. All Thank Jane you. Foster wanted was to get on that dick. Was she didn't care about anything else. She, she, wanted she wants some of that Norse D for sure. Well, we, you also got uh, Darcy fucking getting married to Howard the Duck, which I really appreciated. Oh, that was I, was that. I loved it. Um, <laughs> yeah, they really need to change Jane before she like makes her next appearance. <laughs> don't they? They need to retcon the shit out of her. Like, what was I doing during like all these important things? You know. The gay got it. Kayla, what do you think? Yeah. I will. Well, I'll say the. I'll give credit to that episode. An episode I did not love at all. Uh, that for once it wasn't about like daddy issues. It was about mommy issues in a Marvel <laughs> yeah. in a Marvel like product. So uh, you know the Freya coming in as like the as like the you know concerned mom. I think worked worked pretty well. I'll also give credit like the animation. The fight between Thor and Captain Marvel looked pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just I in general, um, and I know we'll do like a, an actual podcast to summarize the show once it's finalized, but like just really has completely exceeded my expectations uh, overall. I mean, every week you now, week to week, there's different qualities, but like it was when we were finally watching Ultron 1 that I was like, I was just with my boyfriend and I was like, oh shit, this is appointment television. Like I was like really excited to watch the episode Wednesday morning and I was like, Great. This is ex like, I, it's such an unexpected success for me, at least, because I knew I wasn't really like hot on it when it was coming out. And I was like, eh, but just the the last episode was really good at tying together that serialized story, Kayla, like you were talking about, but still leaving open the room to continue to see more multiversal, like random one shots. So like, I just, 
I love what they're doing. I love the way, you know, Uatu was surprised that they broke kind of what is, I guess it would be the fifth wall of, of multi-dimensional stuff. But yeah, just just really knocking it out of the park and I'm excited about the the final episode. Kill. So I think in the final episode, and I didn't realize there's only one episode left. I wasn't keeping count. Uh, they've got to bring in Kang or one of his variants, I think. Mm-hmm. That was the only thing Ooh, that yeah. was... I, w- I was surprised that they didn't show that in the most recent episode. But I guess because these are 30 minute long things, you know, they're already kind of like relatively overstuffed that adding another element would probably just make it a little bit too much. So I, I'd be surprised if we didn't see a variant uh, in the next week. I want to see him too. Yeah. There's so the much. Only... <clears throat> okay, sorry. I assume there would be like a two parter or something, 30 minutes to bring in six different characters from six <laughs> other episodes. Plus Kang showing up all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Sounds maybe it'll, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's an hour episode. I, don't I know. hope like they make it longer. I mean, yeah. At the very least, we're getting the Arnim Zola thing that has to go. I in love there. that this stupid fucking idiot keeps coming yeah. back. Yeah, like, <laughs> he's <laughs> such a small little character, and he just keeps coming back. We got yeah, him. We're, sure. Obviously, we're gonna have um, you know, Captain America, but you know, Captain Britain, Captain America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Peggy, oh, Captain Peggy Carter. Peggy Carter. Yeah. And also, can we just say, like, finally in the MCU, Ultron is like a legit threat. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. so badly used in Age of Ultron, and like in this, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is what he's it not means. just doing it's show tunes now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so menacing. Um, yeah. What was? Oh, we did have a. I had a, we had a point of contention. Andrew brought it up. Uh, he was like, that when you go into." a different dimension don't the infinity stones of the other dimension become like obsolete or are they always all powered because I, I was wondering that too i think they're omniversal aren't they they can kind of they well they were in actual marvel comics aren't there isn't there only one set yeah they're yeah. Omni, they're only one set and they're like they use them anywhere but that's actually a really good point that andrew brought up adam and i didn't even think about this because in loki like the infinity stones are just paperweights and yep. the TVA because they they have no, like the Tesseract has no real power as one example. Um, so I don't know. That's a good point. Also one other thing. Um, so Thanos shows up like just from space <laughs> and he just kills him immediately, which is whatever. But he has the one that he got from Xandar with him, but then he goes to Xandar and destroys it. So I think that means in canon, like Thanos didn't go to that place and destroy Xandar. Am I just overthinking that? In that universe, yeah. In that, in that universe, specific one, I guess. I guess it could it. be different. Well, that was R. the only, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I, I think that's kind of like a he, little bit of a, maybe a clue got, to what happened to Xandar. Xandar wasn't destroyed, kind of. Yeah. Because we uh, never also, knew what happened. Also, Asgard was still existing, too, because remember, Asgard was right. already destroyed by Ragnarok. Oh, that is true. Okay, got, it's just a different universe. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just a different, he just got the stones in a different way. Great. Well, we're going to find out next week what happens on What If. Kalen, you want to take it to the issues? Yeah, and so as Adam mentioned, we skipped last week, and so we have a lot of comics to go through, but we're going to start with the comics from this week and then uh go back in the past a little bit for last week's but obviously the biggest biggest comic that came out this week inferno number one by jonathan hickman and uh valerio shiti it's finally here the beginning of the end of hickman's two plus year x-men saga and the issue starts much like house of x number one with mutants crawling out of the resurrection eggs this time however it's charles and magneto being resurrected with emma awaiting them wearing a cerebral helmet she's the one that says what is it you say charles to me my x-men and we then flash back, allegedly, to X-Force launching yet another futile attack on Orcus. They once again get their asses handed to them by Nimrod, and Orcus is starting to put two and two together about Resurrection, and possibly even Moira X. Speaking of, we get a flashback to Moira's third life, last seen in House of X number two, where she gets burned alive by Pyro, uh, and uh, uh, Destiny gives her that warning. And then in her tenth and current life, Moira tries to right the ship, so to speak, by telling Charles and Magneto destroy destiny's dna backup so she can't be resurrected oh and to maybe shake up the quiet council so they can they can finally get rid of mystique turn that turns out it's the captains getting a shake up with bishop assuming the position of captain commander a position formerly held by cyclops 
Charles and Magneto attempt to initiate the most passive-aggressive reorg for the Quiet Council, but Mystique sees through it immediately. She nominates a mutant to fill the seat on the council vacated by Apocalypse, and that mutant is, dun-dun-dun, Destiny. So I've got some questions for you guys. Through an infographic, we see several attempts by the mutants to take down Orcus by using uh, TechNet from Old School Excalibur, if you remember them, and even the Brood, which are controlled by Brew. Why didn't we ever see this actually happen in, I would say, two years worth of Dawn of X and Reign of X books? It feels a little weird that like we saw all of this in a one page and not like the setup in these issues. There's not enough real estate. That would be an entire issue to devote to people that most readers wouldn't care about. I like to see the tech neck do a lot of fucked up shit, but not most readers. But wouldn't you have liked to see an issue of just regular X-Men, maybe even before it became the team book? where they did so many attempts wouldn't that have been fun yeah like that been make really it cool. to your point make it a full yeah. issue and a full maybe issue of all of them yeah. some of the subsequent attempt because i i did agree that this this felt uh, i loved the issue by the way i know we'll talk a little bit overall feelings like absolutely incredible yeah. but it did feel that i was like um it was almost like a tv show was like all right we're kicking it to the season finale after having like weeks of episodes of the week and i was like huh like what was all this good shit like crammed into one issue versus spread out i i didn't care about any of the attacks that they were doing it was that part bored me so much i would not have any interest in seeing 10 different versions of it i just want that i just waiting ready to turn the fucking page keep going you just want to see people burn alive I, I kind of, I mean, maybe we didn't need to see it over and over again, but I mean, like you have an entire X-Force book, which has had, what, 23, 24 issues. And it's, they focused on Zeno. They focused on Beast being a bastard. Like we spent issues on, on plant life for, for the love of God, (laughs) having one issue devoted to X-Force making it like Orcus isn't, I don't, if I recall correctly, hasn't even been mentioned in X-Force. And I think it's a frustrating thing for me because of how tightly connected these books are. And with like, you know, up until, I guess now, Hickman serving as sort of the plot master, you know, overseer, like like that wasn't happening when he knew like this was like kind of where he, um, you know, where he wanted to take it. But it is, it's a minor complaint uh, uh, for right. an issue that I also really, really love. I think we can get into some of the stuff that we loved as well. Um, so let me ask you this. What, what do we think Doug Ramsey's up to? Because we saw that little uh, vignette of him, you know, waking up next to his wife and then um, him having a conversation with Warlock and with um, So what, what I called it is that currently he has his wife, his, his life partner, and his work wife. And he has, he's trying to, like, deal with all <laughs> yeah. three of them at the same Polly time. Polly I have no Polly idea. Amory. That's what it needs to happen. I mean, they just need to go at it. But I don't know what's going on with him other than... Why well, say what is Bay up to? Because didn't there's like the great shot of her opening her eyes right after he leaves. So it's like, yeah, was she mm-hmm. mad or those her eyes are just red like that? Like it was, <laughs> she was drinking too much, too much the day before. Yeah. High as fuck. Um, yep. No, I really. It was like again, like the only thing that I loved every element of this book. The thing that frustrated me is that like there's so much that happened between Hox and Pox. And then now this, but like none of it seemed to matter as much as I would like it to. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, you true, could probably hand people two different books and be like, there you go, you got all of them now. Hand that one <laughs> Nimrod episode issue where Mystique had to try to stop him. And yes, yeah, right, exactly. There's like well, three that, issues you'd have to read. And then like the one about like Mystique and Destiny herself, yeah. like I think it was like yeah. issue number six. And I, I do think you'd have to read Ten of Swords as well because like totally. Apocalypse being taken off the board, um, you know, what creates the like one of the vacancies on the Quiet Council. Ryan? I uh, to your point, I just I love the Quiet Council. I love to know who the generals are. I love to know all of that stuff. I'm glad we went back to that because I jones for it sometimes in these yeah. other books that they're like, yeah. oh yeah, Bay Bubba is like coming by. And I'm like, well, tell me more. <laughs> Like, so I like that they just spelled it out in this book because I do miss that interactions of trying to figure out all that stuff from the Quiet Council and beyond. It, it may, I know he talked about like, you know, since Reign of X has been happening, we've kind of more recently, I think in the summer, maybe found ourselves a little bit like waning energy on that. And I was thinking it's because a lot of the books have now started to feel like side quests. And that that's, this was the example I was really yeah. thinking about. Like, 
I think about RPGs mm-hmm. where it's like you take on a side quest mission, side quest mission, side quest mission. And it's like, oh, finally we've we've like moved the story forward. I'm so fucking excited. Um, and well, speak- what, yeah, it, it was. I mean, up until the gala, it was great, and then I think that's after the gala is when I, it kind of dipped. Well, yeah. well, it, it dipped, and then it. And this is the next point I kind of want to make is like I feel like there was a lot of spinning plates happening where like they just had to sort of stay at the status quo till mm-hmm. we could get to Inferno. And mm-hmm. even so much so that, like, you know, like, you would have thought that, like, right after the gala ended is when the trial of Magneto began. But it wasn't, like, a, for another, like, six weeks or seven weeks, like, yeah. by, by publication schedule. And now, um, you know, Trials had two issues. It's got, I think, another three issues left. Inferno has started. They're running concurrently. And in my head, I was like, where do these two take place? What's happening before and after? Marvel... Um, uh, they they confirmed today that trial is before Inferno. So like anything that like happened to Magneto, we know goes back to a status quo with him specifically. So it robs like some of the uh, like the momentum from trial, which has been a very flawed book as we've discussed on this podcast uh, before. But like it's just like oh guys, like y'all were so good on like the continuity, and it feels like it's been slipping a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that's Marvel in a nutshell, though. It always has to happen sometimes. You know, it, it always has it's to tough. happen. Sometimes. We know it's tough, but like, damn, it sucks. But I feel like I've been super negative, but I do like want to say, like, I think the interaction with like Moira, Charles, and and uh, Xavier, like uh, Charles and Magneto, excuse me, like I like missed that from like like Hawks and Pox, and we didn't really get very much yeah. of that during like Dawn of X or Reign of X. So seeing that again. You know, like Magneto saying, hey, we're we keep trying to like take down Nimrod. We fail. Have we maybe tried teaming up with the machines? Like, uh-huh. would that work? Would that be different? And she's like, yeah, let's team up with cancer for the love of God. You know? <laughs> like, I loved her. I loved her response there. And it's like, look, I told you two things. Get rid of Nimrod. You got to get rid of him. You can't bring destiny back. Those are the only two things I've asked for. Like, and like, why haven't y'all done that yet? Uh, I, I, I fucking love that. Well, what I what I did really appreciate in Inferno was the deeper dive on the Moira life two, and just the conversation that Destiny had with her, and just kind of replaying that out. Just like everything felt so impactful and important, and Hickman's writing was very on point. And I mean, like, just the I think the paneling was incredible, especially for the introduction. I mean, you knew it was coming, but like the introduction of Destiny to the council nomination, I was like losing my mind as I was flipping through this. I was like, oh my God, this is so fucking cool. It was just, it was, I was fanboying the entire time. Like everything worked out seamlessly. I thought from, you know, it was just firing on all cylinders besides the fact that the overarching storyline around it uh, was a bit harder, but like, it makes me so excited to see where this, this like kind of series is going to go. Ryan? It's, uh, yeah, anytime she's on, on page you get really excited um you want to see more of her i love how british she is where she got fooled because she was drinking too much tea about the situation <laughs> like oh i had to have my tea so, i like that, that that's the way it like came about for her um i will say this we're gonna look back at this issue and know every little thing kind of like in hawks and pox everything is so intentional what they chose to show yeah. So the fact that they're like, well, now you have 10 lives, you may have an 11th life. And then we see that's the 10th. Everything is a clue for something that's about, about to happen. We, we're not just watching Doug like brush his teeth in the morning for no goddamn reason. Like there is a reason for all this. And it's, it's super exciting. And I don't know where it's going, which has me excited for an next book. Kaylin? I'm just laughing at the uh, image now of like Doug using Warlock as a toothbrush. Um, <laughs> but but uh, to your point, uh, which is a really good one of like, you know, there's nothing by accident in here. Everything is going to be referred to later on. Did you notice that when we first see Moira again, the 10th life of Moira, she's got like a kind of like a burnt up book of it saying mutant cure, which is exactly what happened in the third life. And so like, is she still trying to cure the mutant gene? Is there like an agenda within an agenda within an agenda that she's trying to do? I uh, thought she was going to... Sorry. Go ahead, Clark. You Use it to cure herself and then die so I that their generation can't happen again. Mm. Oh. So she doesn't die. That's, yeah. 
That's a really good so theory. That she, so she loses her ability to then cause the complete rewrite of the universe. Or life. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. That's, that's a new writes herself out of history kind of thing. If there's another life. Because she's yeah, just Yeah, that's a great So, no, so this is the last life. Yeah. Oh, I, I did want... I did want to comment on, I really, even though they've done not enough with Orcus, besides just like shoving Gyrick into talking to people at the end of recent issues, I did really love how they're like, why are these fucking mutants so stupid? They keep showing up and dying the exact same yeah. way. And they're like, oh, okay. I love that it's yeah. only Wolverine that remembers. Because like, apparently Laura's not available and like all the other people that have basically the same fucking powers as, as him. Well, <laughs> they're, they're saving a uh, random farm towns in X-Men. <laughs> I like how they, they had to going through this, explain how Magneto couldn't just throw the whole thing into the sun. Yeah. They, still, they still haven't explained how Legion or, or Proteus or anybody who could actually do some sort of straight up warping can't stop it. That's yeah, true. for real. I feel like they're being very uncreative in the way that they're trying to take down Nimrod and uh, Orchids himself. So let's move on. Uh, sword number eight by Al Ewing. And I'm going to mispronounce the first name, but I'll do my best. It's Guguyu Villanova. It's not that. It's okay. All right. Yeah. It's a storm centric issue, which means that Adam came at least six times while reading it. We get more information. Uh, we get more information about the nine seats of the Great Ring, Arako's answer to the Quiet Council. Storm serves on the seat of all around us, which means that she's also the regent of Arako. Turns out that Tarn the Uncaring doesn't much care for Aurora as regent, and at a meeting of the Great Ring, he, ta- he talks a shit ton of trash to her. Storm, being the bad bitch we know, says, hey, let's suss this out in the circle, which is a blend of Krakoa's Crucible and a way of unseating slash electing new members to the Great Ring. In the circle, uh, Tarn depowers Storm and turns her into some sort of tentacle beast. But we all know that she's still dangerous AF, even though she can't throw lightning bolts. She stabs Tarn with her trusty blade, and he eventually yields. She's earned the respect because he says that not only is she Narakan, she may also be from Amen. All right, Adam, how, how many times did you actually come while reading this? The limit doesn't exist. I had such a great time reading this. I, I really liked it, not just because it was Storm, but also... It was nice to see the Iraqi, Iraqi Council. It was nice to just actually spend time on Mars. And I do I do love that they're always constantly just finding new ways to put her in a circle, take away her powers, catch a knife, and always <laughs> stab somebody with it. Like, it's just like, it's yep. every fucking time. It's a storm-centric issue. They're like, you got to put her in a tournament and where she's got to have a dagger and she's got to stab somebody and be like, do you not know who I am, bitch? Like, she's just it's the same fucking thing every time. But I love it. I, I live for it. Clark. Do you know how to pronounce the writer? The artist's name is just Guy. It's Guy. Oh, it's Guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Um, right. I don't know if you already said it because I was trying to listen for that. This art was horrible. I, it was shockingly bad. The first two pages were fine, and then I just thought it was just... Sorry. Oh, I just made fun of the guy. I just got his name right, though, at least. Sorry, Guy. Yeah. I don't much care for your illustrations. Compliment sandwich. Give him a compliment at the end. Too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like your name. <laughs> I, it's an interesting style. It's definitely... A, it's very... It's own kind of style. Like, I, I could see you know, the facial expressions were a bit off for me. She looked, Storm looked a little like uh, Michaela Cole to me in like certain panels. Well, and even, yeah, well, there was a lot of facial close ups, and I think the face wasn't all there. The coloring, I liked the coloring. I thought it was actually kind of fun pop. I, and it was Storm's hair looked fantastic. So don't you fucking dare talk about how they draw her hair. She did really look different panel to panel, and I'm not talking about her literally being mutated and, like, turned into, like, (laughs) half a monster or whatever, but she did look different panel to panel. Um, I like the old school version of Storm where she's always down. She's a baby. She's depowered. She's has cancer. Like, every, like, they find (laughs) a way, but, like, same story, but still love it every single time. Um, I... I was really thinking about this issue and just, I, I love the idea of Arako so much that it's created a whole world of like mutants that we can just tap into whenever we want some new villains. Um, they are always 
kind of friendly. They're on the same side, but they're also evil. It's a very Magneto Xavier sort of vibe to the thing. It's just so, it's such a good idea. Squidward, that fucking Squidworth Tarn is in there. He's like, like, he's, he's so good too. Like I, they've just created so many amazing characters just by creating this. And it's basically unlimited too. Cause they could just be popping out new mutants all the time. You know what I mean? It's just, it's such a smart creative idea to further the, the X-Men into the world. I just, I, I really applaud all the writers for it. It's so good. So like, you know, we've seen a lot of the, a lot of X books basically kind of wrapping up by the end of this year. We know Hellions is ending. Uh, then uh, uh, one of the other books that we'll talk about in a little bit uh, just had their last issue as well. I'm assuming Sword's probably going to end too. Do we think that this will kind of transform into like a storm centric, like Queen of Saul, Queen of like Region of Morocco book? I hope so. With like, so, with sort as like sort of a backup to her. I would love, yeah. That, well, that would I, be amazing. I really, I love that they're building out Cora. Cora's been showing up a lot and I really like that. I think she's pretty cool. And I think she, it like, I think to your, I would love a storm book. I think there's going to have to be like a good, obviously like supporting cast. And I think it would be fun for them to continue to build out the Iraqi characters. Cause actually like, I think she had, and storm has great chemistry with them. Cause they're like always constantly like, you know, just trying to one up her. And she's like, no bitch, you're being one up. And they're like, Oh damn. Like, I just like that she gets to play off of people and not have to be a supportive character to the other heroes. She can be like, go fuck yourself uh, to all these kind of like, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Her villain, famous but... catchphrase. Go what? fuck yourself. Her, her catchphrase. <laughs> you know, every time she's in the, da- she's got a dagger, she's in the circle and she's like, go fuck yourself. Stab <laughs> right in the eye. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Wolverine number 16, the last book from this week by Benjamin Percy and Adam Hubert. In a series of double and triple crosses, Wolverine tussles with both Solemn and Sever Blackmore. And I can't keep track of who's on whose side anymore. Uh, <laughs> while fighting Sever, uh, uh, Solemn escapes to Krakoa to hide out like a parasite, according to Black Tom, uh, according to Black Tom Cassidy. Uh, Logan fights, finds Solemn in a cave on the island, and he's got a Cerebro helmet, some resurrection eggs, and those logic diamonds still in way back during the Hellfire Gala. Knowing that he can't beat him in a fair fight, Wolverine gets Emma Frost to interrogate Solemn, and it turns out he wants to fuck Logan, amongst other people and things. The issue ends with the hand, you know, those demonic ninjas that Wolverine and Devil always have to fight, bringing mm. back their hell bride. Uh, what'd you guys think? So I had a question. We didn't really talk about it. How do you think Destiny was brought back? I was thinking because this issue was done before Inferno, yes, on the list, that maybe they they she brought um, Destiny Mystic brought Destiny back through Solemn's, you know, his eggs that he we we found out he has here. Oh. I think um, I like that. Uh, would the five like official, they, would the five say yes? To what? Doing well, they such made, a thing? they they made or, a comment or, or in is there it that this? said the five are do not follow the will of like everyone else. They can kind of do whatever they want. So they said something, a line like Who that said at some that? point. There's some line in there that says they, oh, in, that. Oh, in Inferno? In, in Inferno, Inferno, yeah. Well, well my, yeah. my <laughs> thinking is if it's not Solemn's, um, you know, extra eggs and all that, all the other <laughs> stuff, I just think Sinister's playing his own game and he gave the DNA to Mystique and Mystique got the five to, to do it for our oh, behalf really? because... Because even before Moira said anything, it, the five and the Quiet Council haven't been aligned. Even yeah. the stuff we've, st- we've seen in New Mutants most recently, mm-hmm. when they decided to resurrect Gabby, and they're going to like basically kind of like go back on like um, uh, quote unquote clones being resurrected. We know uh, when Hellions ends uh, later this year that uh, Madeline Pryor is going to be coming back. So um, yeah. I assume there's like, you know, we'll probably find out more about Destiny in. Uh, how she got resurrected in the second issue of Inferno. I, I really actually hope it's related to the five because I if it is, I give it, I'll give the uh, running sort of build up a lot more credit because they definitely have been building up the fact that the five was starting to realize like, wait a minute, why are we listening or making these like stupid choices based on what some people are telling us kind of idea. So they've done a really good job of planting that seed. So I hope it's that's the plan that they're trying to grow and not just be like, uh, yes, these solemn eggs that we randomly introduced. That's the way that they did it. 
Those bitches are going to die. They are going to die. And then they're going to be like, what are we going to do? How are we going to resurrect people? That's going to happen. <laughs> Does anyone disagree? Caleb, what do you think? Uh, I don't disagree at I all. Mean, I think I think you're right on. We're going to have to figure out because we see that Blindfold is back in the um, after. Oh, we'll talk about Way of X. But in the. Oh, yeah. We see her. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So they're going to be. Yeah, she was one of the people at the very end of that onslaught uh, one uh, shot. What's we'll happening? We'll talk about in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd just like to say that Solemn continues to knock it out of the park for me. I just love a fucking like pansexual villain that's just like, hey, baby, but also we'll kill you. And I just, I think the writing's good on him. And I just want to see more of that character. Is he gay baiting baiting or is he actually into it? What's going on? He's definitely wants to fuck him. It's gay baiting until he does something, though. They're going to keep wanking until it happens, until he kisses a man on screen. I'm not fucking having it. (laughs) There you go. It's a video on screen kiss. It is. We're reading them on our phones or our tablets usually, so technically yeah. it would be an on-screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not I reading run, Wolverine so, on paper. Fuck that. <laughs> I so I run hot and cold with this book, uh, but I did enjoy the inclusion of Emma. I liked like the way that like Logan talked about her. It's like we're not friends, but we are allies, and like she's the person I need right now to interrogate Solemn. And like that little infographic uh, of um, yes. just all the stuff that she gets, I thought it was actually kind of clever. The stuff with the hand at the very end, I was like, I'm just, I'm just so sick of the hand. I'm just like, you know, I know it's like it's linked to the, the Murasama blades, like and all that. But Murasama, like, Kaylin. Yeah, what did I say? Um, <laughs> and um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of over them as villains. It's like, it's like I've, I've seen that. I want to see new and different things, and that's why like Solemn and even Sever Blackmore have been uh, kind of welcome additions to uh, the Wolverine book. All right, let's move on to books from last week. Uh, we had a, about four of them. X-Core number five by Teeny Howard and Alberto Fauché. The series ends uh, very unceremoniously, in my opinion, with Primary finally being admitted to the X-Core's board. I don't really have much more to say about this book because I thought it was a misfire on almost every way, but very curious to get y'all's takes. I don't want to talk about this book. All right, I'll defend it as the only one that tries to defend this book. Um, Some stuff happened in it that was interesting. Um, They made the Fenris twins more interesting than the gifted. We have to hand that to them. That's a low bar. Christ. Um, What else happened? Celine was in it. Like, it's tough. It's not that great of a book. If you're going to go down the theme of like corporate intrigue, do it, oh, no, ma- no. make it, make it more. I feel like that. It was kind of just a uh, reckless action issue without, it, without a lot of like stuff going on, honestly. I, I it's did, fine. It's fine. I, I did like the time we got with Trinary and her running around with that white woman. I don't know her name. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I thought like I was good to I'm glad that trying it's like one of those things where I'm like I'm glad all these people had a comic to like be able to have their voices told more I just wish the narrative made me care about anything at all <laughs> yeah all of it just star. seemed like gibberish like their inventions the way they thought business worked like <laughs> none, of it, none of it seemingly felt grounded at all which kind of sucks and maybe if it got more issues it could have breathed it breathe a little bit but yeah like wh- why is like monet not being like i have to work past five and just yelling at archangel <laughs> for that he's like don't get mad i have to work this weekend like that would be more realistic and i kind of would like that more you know yeah. it was just yeah just a very peculiar issue i think we i'm trying i literally was trying to just scroll through right now thinking about like is there something i did like and I can like barely remember the villains besides the Fenris twins. Like there was no real stakes. It all just felt kind of, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I think we can move on. Kaylin. Um, I just kept thinking of like Vincent adult man from uh, Bojack Horseman saying, I need to go do a business. And <laughs> Tini Howard writing about like, like corporate culture. You know, I don't, I don't know how well she understands it. It just seemed very surface level to me. 
I, on Twitter, uh, on our on our home spirit account, I compared this very much to Fallen Angels, where I think it was a book that like was a complete misfire, but hopefully it sets up something in the future where X Core is used well, whether it's a combination of Marauders and X Force and like the next you know like wave of books after uh, after we get the Ten Lives and Deaths of Wolverine. Uh, let's move on. Uh, X Men number three by Jerry Dugan and uh, Pepe Larraz. The newly formed team takes on the high evolutionary and his evolutionary guard, uh, and they reject his gift of sterilizing humanity and wiping them out in a generation. After several pages of beautifully drawn fight scenes, Sink ends the battle by giving the high evolutionary what he wants, which is a drop of his blood, and that's undoubtedly going to come back to bite the X-Men in the ass. The, X the team gets more uh, information on Cordyceps Jones, the intel intelligent fungal life, seen in the first two issues of the series and his game world which is apparently the natural progression of uh, mojo world cyclops and gene decide to split the team in two one staying on earth the other go heading up to game world oh and kelvin phylong uh who we saw in the first couple of issues is joining orcus and dr stasis gives daily bugle reporter ben urich evidence of the mutants resurrecting themselves what'd you guys think well that dude, this was why i was going to mention it earlier um I don't think they're going to immediately stop the resurrection stuff in, in Inferno because why would this plot point happen in this book? And then what, three, three months from now, suddenly it's not an issue anymore. It seems very strange. Yeah. Even worry about this being a plot point in this book. They're Inferno. losing as a continuity queen. I know they're losing the continuity and connection between these titles. No, the <laughs> Only yeah. big issue right now is the horribleness that's going on with Leo Williams' um, trial of Magneto. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, no, but yeah. I agree. I, I do hope. I don't. I, I didn't presume that Inferno would end the resurrection cycle either, especially if they've also introduced Solemns. Maybe it becomes a lot more difficult. So it's like there's only a few people that are coming around. Maybe it's not as much of like just like throwaway lives kind of thing. Or they um, so I think like, it's more in a horrifying way like Sinister makes like a weird hybrid of all of the five into one person. That's just like, we still need the Chimera. Like if they lose yeah, the threat on the Chimera, I'll, I'll just, I'll cry. Well, the Chimera. <laughs> and also I was thinking, I was thinking that like, it just becomes, it just becomes known in the Marvel universe. And yeah. then like everybody, yeah. even like, you know, the Avengers, Fantastic Four, like all the quote unquote good guys, start saying what have you got y'all are playing with forces you don't understand so it just becomes the transparency is like what ends up kind of like fucking things up for them yeah psychic right, bastard so child will start eating little pieces of your life whenever you die and then <laughs> so the last x book that we're going to talk about is x-men uh the onslaught revelation number one by sky spurrier and bob quinn Essentially, this is way of X number six, but I'm assuming it's been rebranded as a one shot to help sales. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so the various plot points from way of X culminate in this issue, including doing away with Onslaught uh, and Nightcrawler finally creating some semblance of Krakoan culture, and it's called The Spark. Kurt uh, is also setting up a team of culture cops, for lack of a better term, called the Legionnaires. Um, DC Comics may have like that uh, on trademark, so Kurt, check that out. And the team includes Dr. Nemesis, Pixie, uh, Blindfold, as Clark mentioned earlier, and Juggernaut for some reason. I didn't think he could get on Krakoa. Is that uh, Forget-Me-Not? Uh, Forget-Me-Not is there also, right? No, it's Juggernaut. Forget-Me-Not forget oh, forget like, is holding like, a little gun, yes? Oh, it's yeah, one that of the characters that Spurrier yeah. created. Yeah. It's a fun uh, story. Yeah. So, so it's it's gonna, basically that... saying that it's going to be him writing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and with Dr. Nemesis there, for sure. Of course. It's definitely safe to assume that this is going to be a new book that come, you know, happens after the line revamps after the 10 lives and deaths of Wolverine. Mm -hmm. um, how did this work for y'all? And in general, how did Way of X work for you guys? Ryan? Um, in the words of the newest mutant on the team, I'm lost. Uh, <laughs> like, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a little erratic. Um, it's, it's okay, but I think for me, the, the art really took me out of it. Like, it's kind of all over the place. And we've seen it, it's the same artist as Way of X, but like, it just, I, I didn't really identify, it, it didn't humanize any characters because they all looked a little off for me. Uh, 
the story is like one you can kind of see coming, but like, I, I don't know. I just, and I love me feeling a little bit weird. I'll continue to read obviously, but I love me feeling kind of strange. Dark I'll, I'll strange. say this. <laughs> I'll no. say, I'll say this. The, um, the, the onslaught stuff didn't work for me at all. Like I liked a lot of the, uh, the conceit of this book, um, like Nightcrawler trying to figure out a religion and slash culture, the stuff that's been brought up with like resurrection, what gets lost in resurrection and does that mean that everybody acts more cavalier because they know that they can just come back? I thought all that stuff was really cool. The Legion stuff, like Legion is not my favorite character, but I know Spurrier loves to write him. Like that worked okay for me, but man, like just Onslaught has never worked on any level for me at all. Uh, and I, I feel I feel like Onslaught's got its fans, I'm sure, but I don't know who they are. I'll just say I'll just I'll just say that. I liked all the Legion stuff. That's because I really like Legion and Spurrier's run on it. But um, yeah, as you said, Onslaught, I didn't really care about, nor did I feel any connection with. Um, it just felt like a, a lot of interesting character biography, not bio biographies, but like character shots, character st stories in here that had to be tied together with something. Like I, yeah. And I still don't understand why Fabian Cortez was so unnecessarily important in two separate books that they had to then continue this random story from one to another one. Why was yeah. he ever in sword? It made no and sense. And his tragic backstory where he <laughs> we like cried. We, I was we like, have oh, never we been He's an asshole. Yeah. I, like... I kinda liked it because yeah, I well, actually gotten real backstory from him. But that was the best part. It's so that strange. Thought... The whole thing is so strange. They did such a good job with him as a I thought they did a really good job with him as a character. I thought introducing Lost was like a a nice little story like i think you're right all the character dynamics were interesting but the narrative didn't really mean anything because i think where it started for way of x and where it ended with this sort of like act three onslaught attack like all of it was just stupid and i feel like there's no <laughs> real there's a ripple effect for the legionnaires but you didn't need <clears throat> sorry any of the long you didn't need any of the onslaught story to i think get a lot of the stuff that we needed i felt like I feel like someone maybe gave the note of like, how do we get a cool character? And cause I'm like that they're not going to talk about onslaught in any other fucking issues. I don't think, I think it was literally a come and go just so that they'd have a final villain and Kirk could form Legionnaires. I'm like, you could have formed it without having this stupid Island attack that made no sense <laughs> and nobody cares about. <laughs> so this Mark? comic and um, Inferno this week and last week, um, made me realize how gross I think Xavier Xavier looks in his little like skin tight outfit with his helmet on. He just looks like a complete creep running around wild. I, I just disagree. Can't, I, I don't like him anymore. Art, like that's him. my Halloween costume. Oh, well, damn it. <laughs> I will call you a creep. Well, I'll just say this about Legionnaires. Uh, and I'm very curious if that's going to be the name of the book or not. But like, you know, Spurrier is a very talented guy. I'm just curious like what another team book is going to mean in like the next like iteration of these x books after the 10 lives and deaths of wolverine obviously look x-men's going to continue um i think everything else kind of gets wrapped up and they they like everything kind of gets like re redone i don't know if there's an x-force book anymore new, new mutants, mutants they like, say it is, might, is staying it's going to keep it's staying so it's not getting wrapped up with the shadow king uh stuff. i don't think so based so, on the last solicitation it seems like it's yeah. continuing. But, but who well, knows? New Mutants isn't even, it's not really even a team book. It's just, it's just a bunch of like, it's the, it's the generation happening. of new mutants, uh, like basically mentoring a, a bunch of younger mutants with Shadow King acting as like the, the villain there. So I don't know what that, what that means. I'm just, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm fine with these books ends up ending up being miniseries, but it's just, it's like what I've talked about before. It's like, do these concepts have enough legs for them to continue beyond 10 issues, 15 issues, 20 issues. And if that's the model that like comics in general are going towards, like that's fine. It's just, I think I, I just want them to be a little more transparent about that. All right. So the last book uh, that we are talking about today is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number 18 by Al Ewing and Juan Pajeri. Uh, the last annihilation and this actual book conclude with Dormammu being taken out by the giant Chekhov's gun introduced in Cable Reloaded. The good guys, of course, celebrates, but in an ominous coda, Dr. Doom now has a portion of the Dark Lord's powers, 
if Sister Talanis, the Skrull who controlled the fire cult scene in previous issues, is now the queen of the Chitari. Um, what do you guys think of Last Annihilation as a storyline uh, lasted about seven or eight issues? Mark? I, need, I needed two more issues. Yes. And I think having the Black Panther issue happen right before this killed all sorts of just drive. It was so Momentum. long yeah. and just blotted blue, blue. No, nothing mattered really. I don't really remember. Did they make a bullet? I don't remember. For the gun? I don't remember what the hell yes. it was even about. Yeah. yeah, so who cares? We or no, so wait, much... the bullet was from the cable issue. I thought that was the gun. Oh, the gun right. was so the... then the bullet. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you needed. No, no, things. the bullet was. I don't know. It doesn't. It just, exactly. That's exactly the thing. If it's, it's... <laughs> gun rights in space are so confusing. It, it was going well, yeah. you know, and they had the cable gun one, which was interesting because they had mutant characters in there, and then suddenly it's something totally unrelated that was so long and drawn out that suddenly the final issue is very fast. It, everything's happening so damn fast that it just uh, it was jarring yeah. as fuck. And it felt like I needed two more issues because of that fact. It, it was all, I think I agree exactly with you, Craig. I felt all, the content was high quality throughout the entire overall event. I just wish there was more breathing room, especially towards uh, the end. And I think one thing that it suffered from was kind of the, not as much as other, some of, some of the other uh, crossovers that we've seen, but each one of them did filter into the story, but it felt like they were just issues to progress like a narrative. And you could have skipped any of them and been like, oh, great. Okay, they got a bullet from somewhere. Like there wasn't as much of a connective tissue, I think, between all the character development and storylines. And that was the thing that I always uh, don't like. Um, but overall, I did like it. It's just as Annihilation is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. This is definitely the weakest of the uh, Annihilations. Kaylan. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, I definitely think we needed more. Um, you know, and also Dormammu didn't, at the end of it, didn't really work for me as a villain. Like, I feel, I felt like he was more of like, like a MacGuffin that was put into humanoid form. Like, if you think about like previous Annihilations, like both, like the first one, which had Annihilus as the main villain and Ultron, who was the villain in Annihilation Conquest, like they had like more gravitas, you know, as villains, it's almost I wish like Doctor Doom, who was essentially a protagonist, would have made a better antagonist because of his like his motivation. And then I was thinking a little bit about, you know, like like what you guys mentioned about needing more breathing room. I don't know if like current storylines can allow for that because if you think about like the first two Annihilation series, like you had all these miniseries sort of leading up to them, like four issue miniseries, and then you had the main book, which was like a, a six issue miniseries itself. So. Um, like when they collected it, they had like these giant three volumes or two volumes for Annihilation Conquest. That happened 15 years ago or, you know, 10 years yeah. ago, respectively. Like, I don't know if current comics can allow for that anymore, which is kind of sad to me. Uh, I just don't know if uh, the attention span is there or there's enough, like, you know, backing for Marvel. Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree everything you guys said it, it's sad to see the series go because it is pretty good and uh there <laughs> there is this article going around that was like marvel cancels one of the few series that has two gay characters in it <laughs> kissing and you're like okay but that's not the reason why <laughs> there wasn't up in arms people being like these are homos in here we need a cancel that i don't think anyone even said that honestly like no. i was like that is the most clear i said it i wrote that last you there were Stop six, writing those there were six gay characters in it yeah, yeah i know there were. Like, only two like there was a shit ton yeah but th this know. is the, like actually that's what i hate because there was so much push on x factor which wasn't a good series, but this has just as much queer representation and is actually good. That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but people are stupid and don't care. Yeah, exactly. So I know, so I Al Ewing was, was, you know, writing this and he's, this is ending. He's also been writing uh, Immortal Hulk, which we know is ending this month. Um, he's going to be co-writing Venom with uh, Rom V. I am hoping that this clears up his schedule to be the new like head of X when when Hickman leaves because I think of all the X writers um, that are staying on the books or maybe being added, 
he's the one that's got the most, I think, vision to be able to like propel like those books forward. But that's just that that's just my uh, my hope. So uh, related to that, we have a quick little news flash. Do 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 do. Oh. Uh, um, we found out from Vida Ayala as well as a bunch of other other ex writers uh, that the uh, that they had a summit quite recently over Zoom, uh, and they showed like Jordan White and all the other major writers, including Jerry Dugan and Tini Howard, uh, Leah Williams, Cy Spurrier, uh, Benjamin Percy, and so on and so forth. And there's two boxes, two Zoom boxes that are blurred out with little smiley faces. So my question to all of you is predictions on who those could be. Mm -hmm. That I've man a couple in the far ideas, right corner but... I thought was Jonathan Van Ness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was JVN say... is going to be writing the X-Men next year. You're right. It's so tough to come up with writers that would be doing this now. Because like every writer has already done this for Marvel. So reanimated Stanley. Like at this point, like what what are we <laughs> expecting? Like it's got it better be something shocking. Neil Gaiman. Like honestly, like what who could it be, honestly? Uh one of them reads a lot of books. It looks like the other has some frames behind them. Kaylin, who do you think? Who do you think it could be? I think I think one of the so I'm thinking about the current stable of Marvel writers right now because I think that's the way this works. I think one of them is Kieran Gillen. I think he's going to come back to the X-Books in some way or form because uh, he's currently writing Eternals. The other, one, the other one I'm thinking about is, um, this pure prediction, is the writer who wrote the one-shots, going back to Last Annihilation, the one-shot of Wiccan and Hulkling. Like, he doesn't currently have a book, and I really like that one-shot a lot. And you got a lot of accolades for it. So um, I believe he's queer. So it'd be cool to have, and Kieran Gillen is also queer. He's bisexual. Um, it'd be cool to be, to have, um, you know, another like queer, queer creator on, on these X books. But other, others could be, I don't think it'll be Donnie Cates. It's definitely not Jason Aaron. Um, it could be Jed McKay, who, you know, has got Black Cat and is currently doing Moon Knight. But yeah, I don't know if they're going to pull Pull him from Black. there. It won't be Dan Slott. Um, well, I'm sorry, Clark. He always Black, comes back. But. Black Cat finishes next month. So uh, I was going to oh, say Jim McKay as well. Hmm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Any other any other um, ideas I, or? I'm I would just be pulling names out of a hat. I'm like Colin Bunn. That's a writer, right? <laughs> I'm yeah. surprised you didn't say Tom Taylor. I'm surprised you didn't say Tom Taylor. Ah, uh, if only I would lose my shit. I'd come eight times. Um, <laughs> yeah, fingers yeah. crossed, but I'm not losing any sleep that Tom Taylor's coming to the accident. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, I think he's done. He's, I mean, he's got like that one, The Dark Ages, that Marvel book, but he's mostly yeah. like a DC, DC and indie guy these days. So, all right. Well, hey. Ryan, I think we've got a we've got a little uh, mailbag for some mail facts. Oh my God, we do, Kaylin. Um, so we asked all of you on Twitter, uh, just ask some questions. What are you guys thinking? What do you want us to answer? So this one actually is from Jeremy, and it says, "What X Men opinion do you agree on the most?" Disagree. Disagree on, on them. Disagree oh, on the most. Oh, I can't read either <laughs> as well. Um, so which one do you disagree on the most? It could be a take on a character, a creator, whether it's Strife and Cable making out would be twin sess, whatever we want to do. It, we have free game of. What do you guys first, think? What the opinion? first thing I thought when I saw this is I thought it meant between us what the biggest disagreement is. And I immediately thought just because I just saw, saw Warlock that I'm it sure. was Brent and me getting into an argument about Warlock's worth because Brent hates Warlock so much. <laughs> And it bothered me for some reason. So, so I, since you mentioned Brent and he's not on this podcast, I think the biggest thing he would disagree with is he's on Orcus's side. Like, oh, he, he fully believes that the X-Men, the mutants are a threat and they need to be neutralized because, like, that's, I think that's, like, I'm like, are you, do you even X-Men, Brent? Uh, for me, though, I think, I think a lot of you will agree with this and I think this is a popular opinion on Twitter, but it's not popular amongst X fans in general is uh, Jean Grey is trash and Madeline Pryor is much better. I mean, that's true, right? Oh yeah. That does that. Yeah. Well, she's got an edge, you know, 
I mean, it's, I think it's true with like a, like X Twitter would agree with that, but like the fandom is a lot bigger than like what's on social media. And like, I mean, look, Ryan, I mean, you dated a guy once that like Stan Jean Grey and we were all like, what the fuck is that let's, about? Let's not make this a platform for him. Now I want to know who this was. I probably purposely avoided that conversation. Um, okay. So my, uh, the one character that I always disagree with, this isn't necessarily like the way they are written by creators or anything like that, but is Beast. That stupid son of a bitch, it, no matter what iteration he is in, Dark Beast, Normal Beast, beast beast human beast he's always so fucking stupid he always makes the worst decisions but with that all said i don't want him to change at all because he's great right <laughs> he's so awful. like i enjoy that he makes the worst decisions ever well i know my big uh, dis- disagreement slash dis- hatred is i mean i don't like mystique at all i find her repulsive and i said that many what? times in the past and oh, i continue to do yeah. so for many no. reasons i won't bring it down with one of them that i talk about a bit but she <laughs> garbage Wow. So, uh, Clark, related to that, um, there is a uh, 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 like a cosplayer that we uh, talked to on Instagram and on Twitter, but goes by Scott Free. But you made a really good point: was that that like do newer newer X Men fans they realize that Mystique is actually like a, a bad person, right? Like, yeah, she's a great character, and like like we all stand a bad bitch, but like she's a villain. I mean, she's True. straight up like not a good person and it's not even like an emma frost situation you know where it's like oh we really like the bad girl but she's got a heart of gold you know like mystique is straight up just like not not a good person at all oh she's a murderer rapist i mean jesus christ yeah, yeah. not a murderer uh, rapist and that's murderer the of rapist. representation we need more <laughs> you know what i mean adam uh, what do you disagree with my like the easy one is that Wolverine is just a very fucking boring character. Like I don't understand why people like him. I always hated him. Even when I was a fucking kid, I was just like, this person's not interesting. Um, But the bigger one is actually what I see a lot on uh, house of X on Facebook. Well, not a lot, a lot, but like people are just like, they want to go back to the fucking school. And I'm just like, Get over it. Like, how could you possibly want to read the same fucking plot? Like, we're we're still getting some of the same plot line we just saw Onslaught. Like, you're still getting the same garbage you want, like, seemingly want to make you feel nostalgic. <laughs> oh don't call and it. And I'm just, I don't, it just makes me angry because I'm like, Hickman's, like, journey is just such a cool, like, resurrection was the problem. Like, that's where we started this podcast and was like, that was trying that back to basics bullshit. And I'm like, it didn't work. Even if you had good writing, it wouldn't have worked because, like, the plot line stopped making sense in this day and age when so much has happened in the 616 to be like, well, let's just run a school and teach some simple mutants how to like avoid bullying. Like it just, I just don't, I don't believe it. I don't like it. It's still going to be like the most iconic way for them to do it on screen and elsewhere. But I'm like, why tell those stories again? Um, Kayla. Well, this is also related to uh, another um, unpopular opinion I have is, you know, those fans are the one, generally speaking are ones that are such huge fans of the cartoon that that's what they want they want like that like like their golden age when they were 12 years old 15 years old whatever of like this is what the x-men was they had the school and they had all those cool 90s costumes with the pockets and and the jackets and all that kind of stuff (laughs) and my unpopular opinion is i don't actually think the cartoon is very good how Uh, dare you this this podcast is over yeah i i liked it okay as a kid mostly because i was like oh i'm finally seeing the storylines that i read in the claremont run being like acted out you know animated out rather and like that's cool but like i would always compare it to the batman the animated series which had like gorgeous animation even mm-hmm. to this day and the x-men mm-hmm. animation even back then i thought this looks chintzy y'all this like especially when you compare it to uh that one shot that pride of the x-men yeah like that was it, that was not a good episode, but the animation was really nice for the time. Like, and like the X-Men animation, like X-Men animated series, the animation was a step down. And I was just like, kind of whatever. I was kind of over it. And um, I know that's going to make a lot of people really upset at me, including folks on this podcast. Well, but that's my own popular opinion. People started reading the comics because of that series. So, 
but the series could be bad. So yeah, it can be two things. Things can be two things. Things can be definitely two things. Yeah. I mean, it got it, the art got even worse when they switched it from uh, Japanese animation house to a Korean one. In the yeah, last was, I think what I mean, it was already not great, and then it took a nose test. Yeah, season five. It still right, has well, some of the best Japanese openings and closing. If you've never watched the Japanese openings and closings of the animated series, they're insane so and they're absolutely wonderful. Yeah. If the animation was like that for the entire oh. episode, I'd be like, oh, it would be great. Uh-huh. It would be great. Well, that's been our mailbag for mailbags, and it's also been our episode. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at HomosphereX and Instagram at Homosphere Podcast. Please rate and review us if you like us. If you don't, um, you know, go fuck yourselves. Uh, we've been homo superiors. <laughs> yourself. <laughs> Bye, little homos. We love you. Bye. 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 Bye.